Chapter Twelve of Lost Man's Lane by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Phantom Coach. Ghosts! What could the fellow have meant? If I had pressed him, he would have told me, but it did not seem quite a lady's business to pick up information in this way, especially when it involved a young lady like Lucetta. Yet did I think I would ever come to the end of this matter without involving Lucetta? No. Why then did I allow my instincts to triumph over my judgment? Let those answer who understand the workings of the human heart. I am simply stating facts. Ghosts. Somehow the word startled me, as if in some way it gave a rather unwelcome confirmation to my doubts. Apparitions seen in the Knollis mansion, or in any of the houses bordering on this lane. That was a serious charge. How serious seemed to be but half comprehended by this man. But I comprehended it to the full, and wondered if it was on account of such gossip as this that Mr. Grice had persuaded me to enter Miss Knollis's house as a guest. I was crossing the street to the hotel as I indulged in these conjectures, and intent as my mind was upon them, I could not but note the curiosity and interest which my presence excited in the simple country folk invariably to be found lounging about a country tavern. Indeed, the whole neighbourhood seemed agog, and though I would have thought it derogatory to my dignity to notice the fact, I could not but see how many faces were peering at me from store doors and the half-closed blinds of adjoining cottages. No young girl in the pride of her beauty could have awakened more interest, and this I attributed, as was no doubt right, not to my appearance, which would not perhaps be apt to strike these simple villagers as remarkable, or to my dress, which is rather rich than fashionable but to the fact that I was a stranger in town, and, what was more extraordinary, a guest of the Mrs. Knollises. My intention in approaching the hotel was not to spend a couple of dreary hours in the parlour with Mrs. Carter, as Mr. Simsbury had suggested, but to obtain, if possible, a conveyance to carry me immediately back to the Knollis mansion. But this, which would have been a simple matter in most towns, seemed well-nigh an impossibility in X. The landlord was away, and Mrs. Carter, who was very frank with me, told me it would be perfectly useless to ask one of the men to drive me through the lane. It's an unwholesome spot, said she, and only Mr. Carter and the police have the courage to brave it. I suggested that I was willing to pay well, but it seemed to make very little difference to her. Money won't hire them, said she, and I had the satisfaction of knowing that Lucetta had triumphed in her plan, and that, after all, I must sit out the morning in the precincts of the hotel parlour with Mrs. Carter. It was my first signal defeat, but I was determined to make the best of it, and if possible glean such knowledge from the talk of this woman as would make me feel that I had lost nothing by my disappointment. She was only too ready to talk, and the first topic was little Rob. 
I saw the moment I mentioned his name that I was introducing a subject which had already been well talked over by every eager gossip in the village. Her attitude of importance, the air of mystery she assumed, were preparations I had long been accustomed to in women of this kind, and I was not at all surprised when she announced in a way that admitted of no dispute. Oh, there's no wonder the child is sick. We would be sick under the circumstances. He has seen the phantom coach. The phantom coach? So that was what the locksmith meant. A phantom coach. I had heard of every kind of phantom but that. Somehow the idea was a thrilling one, or would have been to a nature less practical than mine. I don't know what you mean, said I. Some superstition of the place? I never heard of a ghostly appearance of that nature before. No, I expect not. It belongs to X. I never heard of it beyond these mountains. Indeed, I have never known it to have been seen but upon one road. I need not mention what road, madam. You can guess. Yes, I could guess, and the guessing made me set my lips a little grimly. "'Tell me more about this thing,' I urged, half laughing. "'It ought to be of some interest to me.' She nodded, drew her chair a trifle nearer, and impetuously began. "'You see, this is a very old town. "'It has more than one ancient country house, "'similar to the one you are now living in, "'and it has its early traditions. "'One is that an old-fashioned coach, perfectly noiseless, drawn by horses through which you can see the moonlight haunts the high road at intervals and flies through the gloomy forest road we have christened of late years lost man's lane it is a superstition possibly but you cannot find many families in town but believe in it as a fact for there is not an old man or woman in the place but has either seen it in the past or has had some relative who has seen it it passes only at night, and it is thought to presage some disaster to those who see it. My husband's uncle died the next morning after it flew by him on the highway. Fortunately, years elapse between its going and coming. It is ten years, I think they say, since it was last seen. Poor little Rob, it has frightened him almost out of his wits. I should think so, I cried, with becoming credulity. But how came he to see it? I thought you said it only passed at night. At midnight, she repeated. But Rob, you see, is a nervous lad, and night before last he was so restless he could not sleep, so he begged to be put in the window to cool off. This his mother did, and he sat there for a good half hour alone, looking out at the moonlight. As his mother is an economical woman, there was no candle lit in the room, so he got his pleasure out of the shadows which the great trees made on the high road, when suddenly, you ought to hear the little fellow tell it, he felt the hair rise on his forehead, and all his body grow stiff with a terror that made his tongue feel like lead in his mouth. A something he would have called a horse and a carriage in the daytime, but which in this light and under the influence of the mortal terror he was in, took on a distorted shape, which made it unlike any team he was accustomed to, was going by, 
not as if being driven over the earth and stones of the road though there was a driver in front a driver with an odd three-cornered hat on his head and a cloak about his shoulders such as the little fellow remembered to have seen hanging in his grandmother's closet but as if it floated along without sound or stir in fact a spectre team which seemed to find its proper destination when it turned into lost man's lane and was lost among the shadows of that ill-reputed road Pshaw, was my spirited comment as she paused to take her breath and see how i was affected by this gruesome tale a dream of the poor little lad he had heard stories of this apparition and his imagination supplied the rest no excuse me madam he had been carefully kept from hearing all such tales you could see this by the way he told his story he hardly believed what he had himself seen it was not till some foolish neighbour blurted out why that was the phantom coach that he had any idea he was not relating a dream my second psh was no less marked than the first he did know about it notwithstanding i insisted only he had forgotten the fact sleep often supplies us with these lost memories very true and your supposition is very plausible miss butterworth and might be regarded as correct if he had been the only person to see this apparition but mrs jenkins saw it too and she is a woman to be believed this was becoming serious saw it before he did or afterwards i asked does she live on the highway or somewhere in lost man's lane she lives on the highway about a half mile from the station she was sitting up with her sick husband and saw it just as it was going down the hill she said it made no more noise than a cloud slipping by she expects to lose old rouse no one could behold such a thing as that and not have some misfortune follow i laid all this up in my mind my hour of waiting was not likely to prove wholly unprofitable you see the good woman went on with a relish for the marvellous that stood me in good stead there is an old tradition of that road connected with a coach years ago before any of us were born and the house where you are now staying was a gathering place for all the gay young bloods of the county a young man came up from new york to visit mr knollys i do not mean the father or even the grandfather of the folks you are visiting ma'am he was great-grandfather to lucetta and a very fine gentleman if you can trust the pictures that are left of him but my story has not to do with him he had a daughter at that time a widow of great and sparkling attractions and though she was older than the young man i have mentioned everyone thought he would marry her she was so handsome and such an heiress but he failed to pay his court to her and though he was handsome himself and made a fool of more than one girl in the town everyone thought he would return as he had come a free-hearted bachelor when suddenly one night the coach was missed from the stables and he from the company which led to the discovery that the young widow's daughter was gone too a chit who was barely fifteen and without a hundredth part of the beauty of her mother love only could account for this 
for in those days young ladies did not ride with gentlemen in the evening for pleasure and when it came to the old gentleman's ears and what was worse came to the mother's there was a commotion in the great house the echoes of which some say have never died out though the pipers were playing and the fiddles were squeaking in the great room where they used to dance the night away mrs knollys with her white brocade tucked up about her waist stood with her hand on the great front door waiting for the horse upon which she was determined to follow the flying lovers the father who was a man of eighty years stood by her side he was too old to ride himself but he made no effort to hold her back though the jewels were tumbling from her hair and the moon had vanished from the highway i will bring her back or die the passionate beauty exclaimed and not a lip said her nay for they saw what neither man nor woman had been able to see up to that moment that her very life and soul were wrapped up in the man who had stolen away her daughter shrilly piped the pipes squeak and hum went the fiddles but the sound that was sweetest to her was the pound of the horse's hoofs on the road in front that was music indeed and as soon as she heard it she bestowed one wild kiss on her father and bounded from the house an instant later and she was gone one flash of her white robe at the gate then all was dark on the highway and only the old father stood in the wide open door waiting as he vowed he would wait till his daughter returned she did not go alone a faithful groom was behind her and from him was learned the conclusion of that quest for an hour and a half they rode then they came upon a chapel in the mountains in which were burning unwanted lights at the sight the lady drew rein and almost fell from her horse into the arms of her lackey a marriage she murmured a marriage and pointed to an empty coach standing in the shadow of a wide-spreading tree it was their family coach how well she knew it rousing herself she made for the chapel door i will stop these unhallowed rites she cried i am her mother and she is not of age but the lackey drew her back by her rich white dress look he cried pointing in at one of the windows and she looked the man she loved stood before the altar with her daughter he was smiling in that daughter's face with a look of passionate devotion it went like a dagger to her heart crushing her hands against her face she wailed out some fearful protest then she dashed toward the door with stop stop on her lips but the faithful lackey at her side drew her back once more listen was his word and she listened the minister whose form she had failed to note in her first hurried look was uttering his benediction she had come too late the young couple were married her servant said or so the tradition runs that when she realized this she grew calm as walking death making her way into the chapel she stood ready at the door to greet them as they issued forth and when they saw her there with her rich bedraggled robe and the gleam of jewels on a neck she had not even stopped to envelop in more than the veil from her hair 
the bridegroom seemed to realize what he had done and stopped the bride who in her confusion would have fled back to the altar where she had just been made a wife kneel he cried kneel amarinth only thus can we ask pardon of our mother but at that word a word which seemed to push her a million miles away from these two beings who but two hours before had been the delight of her life the unhappy woman gave a cry and fled from their presence go go were her parting words as you have chosen you must abide but let no tongue ever again call me mother they found her lying on the grass outside as she could no longer sustain herself on a horse they put her into the coach gave the reins to her devoted lackey and themselves rode off on horseback one man the fellow who had driven them to that place said that the clock struck twelve from the chapel tower as the coach turned away and began its rapid journey home this may and may not be so we only know that its apparition always enters lost man's lane a few minutes before one which is the very hour at which the real coach came back and stopped before mr knollys's gate and now for the worst miss butterworth when the old gentleman went down to greet the runaways he found the lackey on the box and his daughter sitting all alone in the coach but the soil on the brocaded folds of her white dress was no longer that of mud only she had stabbed herself to the heart with a bodkin she wore in her hair and it was a corpse which the faithful negro had been driving down the highway that night i am not a sentimental woman but this story as thus told gave me a thrill i do not know as i really regret experiencing what was this unhappy mother's name i asked lucetta was the unexpected and none too reassuring answer End of chapter 12